three, two, one. That's right. You're listening to the It's My Time podcast, a recording of the experiences, past and present of everyday people. Yes, indeed. And now, here's your host, the one, the only, Asher Chua. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Jonathan Jones. Glad, glad to be here. Glad to be here, Asher. How you feeling, man? Feeling good. How about yourself? Man, all is good on this side. No complaints. No complaints at all. Awesome. Well, I think it'd be appropriate to introduce you to my audience by asking this question. Who do you say you are? Mm, who do I say I am? I would say that I am a, a, a teacher. I would say that I'm a, I'm a lifelong learner. And I also would say I'm a I'm a man of faith, man, man of faith, a husband and a teacher, among other things. Yeah. Awesome. I, I know one of the things speaking on your role as a teacher, I met you in that capacity as it deals with um, being part of the morning meetup group hosted mm-hmm. by Dave Shans. And from time to time, I would see you lead some of the sessions and giving your insights in a way that's very educational. And even through your own podcast that you've started teaching people how to get a podcast going, get it monetized and giving back to student athletes at that. Tell me more. How did you get into like your teaching role? Yeah. So um, like back in my journey, after I graduated college, I was in that position like many other people. You know, I'm just trying to figure out where do I get a job? How can I get paid? I got to pay bills. Uh, And then I I found myself at this nonprofit where I, I initially grew up in. And working this particular nonprofit, this was where as a as a young guy, I learned how to well, I learned the importance of service. I learned the importance of volunteering and doing different things like that. And then when I graduated, I came back to that same nonprofit and and my CEO, he was like, Jonathan, I got an opportunity for you because, you know, he's been mentoring me over the years. I'd see him at holidays and different things like that. And I never wanted to go back and work here. <laughs> I never wanted to go back and work. Um, but he always like, I, have, I got a job for you. I got a job for you. And during that time, I went back. And then this same program that I was once fired from as a teacher, I had the opportunity to come back. And then I had the opportunity to run the program. So I'm going into an elementary school and, you know, I'm the director. So helping other teachers you know, teach the kids, make sure the program's running smoothly, making sure that they have meals and stuff like that to eat. So that was when the light really turned on for me, just in teaching in that capacity and also realizing how much I had a passion for just working with the youth and making sure that the kids that are struggling, if it be with the meal or struggling on a spelling test, you know, making sure that they got the tools and everything that they needed to be successful for their lives. Awesome. And I guess I'd have to kind of come back to it a little bit because I'm just curious how how did you end up getting fired? Oh man! Oh my goodness, Asher. So I I learned the hard way, man. I learned the hard way that you can never go into any role first wanting people to like you. You have to go into the role either. So okay, so if I was somebody coming in as more so like, well, I I came in as a teacher and I wanted the kids to like me. Right. So I'm like, I'm bringing candy. I'm doing what they I'm doing what I would need to do to be, quote unquote, popular if I was another one of the kids. But I was the teacher. So I should have went in there with the disposition of, 
you all are going to respect me. And then I can lighten up on the range later if I desire to. But I, I went I went in too soft, man. I went in too soft. And then they ran me over. Man. Yeah. I was going to say you got in trouble for being too nice to the kids. The teachers are like, we can't have this. Man, I mean, you know, it was just one of those things to where I, I just went about doing things the way that I thought was going to help me be successful. Mm-hmm. And I learned the hard way that it was not. Gotcha. <laughs> so then from that point on, uh, how did you was it like getting fired that showed you like, OK, this doesn't work? Or did you have to have experience something else in between then before you were called back to say, hey, we need you to actually run the program here instead of just being um, someone else that's that's a, a member in a teaching role. Yeah. So after after getting fired, I, I learned a lot from that experience because they broke down to me why I got fired. And then I also understood that I wasn't uh, I, I wasn't able to also get the objectives accomplished that they were requiring of me. Mm-hmm. And I was able to backtrack that and realize I can't get the objectives done because they don't respect me. And if they don't respect me, they're not going to do what I'm asking them to do. So taking those experiences that really matured me in that time. And then it was probably a year, it was probably a couple of years later that I got offered the other position. So we had a lot of conversations in between. Um, There was a lot of uh, guidance in between, Mm -hmm. but then there also was a lot of trust. Like my CEO was heavy on the trust it was almost as if trust was it trust was given, but the but ultimately from him giving me the trust, then you know if I messed up, and then that's when I would start to lose it. So he trusted me going in, right? But I just had to you know I just had to capitalize and do what was expected and what was needed. Gotcha. That that's amazing that you mentioned that because it's not only like a lot of people get fired or I I don't mean to harp on this, but I was just wanting oh, to no 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 take your time I, I'm fine I like take the, your time. I like how you presented it because it's not just something that happened, but they took the time to actually let you know, hey, this is why we're letting you go. And then after the fact, keeping in contact and conversation to serve as a mentor to you to like continue to foster that relationship and to help you develop as you you developed on your own. But just you guys having that interaction, I think that that's not something a lot of people can say, like coming out of a job where it's like usually you could just you could have just gone your own way and been like, I'm not talking to them, but like uh-huh. you guys building that relationship, I think was something good. Like, I think that it's, it speaks volumes to that. Yeah. And, and then, and then just, just to bring a little clarity, cause I didn't, I didn't, I didn't let you in all the way. So the organization I was working for initially mm-hmm. was called services of hope. And then services of hope had a contract with this partner organization So I got fired from the partner organization. And Mm. that's why I was also able to remain close to the boss and to the CEO of Services of Hope, because this was the mentor for me. This was a CEO for me. So it it was it was a unique dynamic, but he still, you know, kept a close eye. And then, you know, I got fired from doing the job of teaching at that facility. But then I came back to Services of Hope. And then, you know, I was still doing some other things there, but just wanted to bring bring that clarity. But I also still stayed in it mm-hmm. because that's one of the things where I could say, forget the partner organization, forget you. Mm-hmm. I'm out. But I stayed in it. Right. And I couldn't, then later it provided opportunity later down the road. Awesome. And and um, with the opportunities that came down the road, what, what did you do to like build on the lessons that you got and 
uh, develop that respect that you needed to get from other people and for the students for that matter. So I, I learned, uh, I learned that I'm going to have to have uncomfortable conversations. Mm-hmm. So let me, let me, so let me give you one. Okay. Let me give you mm-hmm. one, Ash. If you got yeah. time, I'm going to oh, give yeah. you one. We have time. <laughs> Man, so, so one day, because we're a nonprofit. So if it, you know, if the, if the audience knows anything about nonprofits that a lot of times they're overworked, underpaid, sometimes the pay comes late. Sometimes you get part of a check when you were expecting to get the full check. And then I, 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 I got called into the office by my CEO and he said, Jonathan, um, he said, you're going to have to tell them that they're not going to get a check this week, but we're going to. But as soon as we get the money, we're going to pay them. Mm-hmm. Asher, imagine hearing this in year because my staff was probably about five teachers and they range from some being. Uh, high school students, right? So like 16, 17, some being uh, a senior citizen. And another one was like 21, 23. And all of them have their own specific needs, right? The high school, their need is, you know, wanting to buy some clothes or whatever. The 21, 23, their need is, you know, wanting to have money for the weekend, pay phone bill, et cetera. So I had to tell them that. And I'm like, uh, because... He's the CEO. Yeah. So he don't, he's in a position where he can delegate that task to me. <laughs> so I, I had to learn how to have those conversations and how to have them often. I had to have the conversations with parents about, oh, you know, you're you're not paying your tuition for the after school program. So, you know, we're going to have to we're going to have to do something like what what can you what can you provide? Because mm-hmm. this is a service and based on them paying us, then, you know, that's how my teachers got paid. Right. So, man, it, it, it was tough, man. I, I learned a lot um, and I also learned that kids will respect you and you have to come down hard on them. But in the end, as long as you do the right thing and as long as you operate with integrity, they know you do care. So it, it was a lot of lessons, man. It was so many lessons there. Yeah, I'm 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 glad that you highlighted that one, because it, it always feels like especially if you're coming from wanting to be nice, be friendly, it's a lot of times there's a tendency to avoid the difficult, the difficult conversations because it's like, mm-hmm. well, they're not going to like me anymore. It's not going to come off in this way. But then surprisingly, they actually, if you're on the same page, they actually respect you more for that, for letting them know up front. And then not a year down the line, a month down the line, all of a sudden the rug gets swept out from underneath them. And then there's that resentment of like, you knew this whole time, but you didn't tell me. And then you're like in mm-hmm. that lose-lose situation. Yeah, it's like it's like a conundrum because on one side you hear kids never forget, right? Mm-hmm. You you kids will bring up things that happened forever ago. You hear kids will never forget anything. But then on the other side of the equation, kids have the shortest term memory, Asher, because like I can come down hard on a kid for doing something that they know they're not supposed to do. Then tomorrow comes, they're like, hey, Mr. John, check this out. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, you're not even on what we're on yesterday. You've gotten Mm -hmm. over that. Because just like I said before, when they when they realize and understand that you really do care, Mm -hmm. then 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 it's like a mental shift happens. Right. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's awesome. So I mean, for for you to get into the the nonprofit sector, did were you involved in some way in that on the other end as as a kid? Um, well, it, it was just you know getting bribed early as a child. <laughs> My mom saying, "Son, if you wake up early, 
you know, we, we, we go volunteer. I get you McDonald's breakfast and I wouldn't want to go, you know, because mm-hmm. I was a kid staying up late the night before playing video games, eating pizza. I don't want to go and volunteer. Why? But, you know, just getting around those environments at that age, my mom had me doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, then with my father, because my parents divorced at a very young age, but then with my father, then we would go to nursing homes and then we would give like little gift baskets just because those individuals in the nursing home wouldn't have family too often. So, you know, just going, showing love. But we we, we did things like that. So that was something that's been a seed that's been planted in my life, you know, for, for since forever, since as long, since I was as young as I can remember. I like that. <laughs> it's funny yeah, because I, I like the, the honesty of it. And I, I can relate in a similar way where for me, I remember um, my dad's a pastor. And when we had a, a church first moving to Dalton, um, we had the church over in, in the I guess you could call it the black part of town or in the same sense, like some people were less fortunate. It may be somewhat projects, but Mm -hmm. they started this thing where they would um, one Saturday out of the month, they would take fruit, like buy it from the local store using some of the tides and offering and then Mm -hmm. go like make little bags, like some apples, oranges and bananas, split them up in different bags, Mm -hmm. like Walmart bags and things like that. And we just walk down the neighborhoods and give them out until we ran out or try to have it enough. And I would I would get upset sometimes because it would be like we didn't we didn't grow up watching TV in our house, like no TV during the week, like maybe Saturday you could watch a little bit of TV during the morning. And I was like, it's the one thing like all the kids get to have. And they're always talking about these shows and you're having like the coming to America moment where you're trying to learn the culture, but you don't have a clue. So that's how I was justifying it in my head. It's like, I'm upset. But you go to like the first door or the second door and you knock and you see at first somebody thinks it's like you're a bill collector coming and then they think you're trying to sell them something. And it's just like, no, um, just wanted to offer you some fruit, not trying to charge you, just thought you could use some, just something to have something healthy to, to have. And they're, they were grateful. And a lot of them would stop and just exercise that gratitude and want to pray with you sometimes or ask for prayer. And it was like, I'd get upset the first few times where like you were saying after a while, you're like that seed that's planted in your head, it never goes away. So I, I definitely relate with you on that. Yeah, man, for sure. For sure. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those things that, that, that those of us who are blessed to have experiences like that and you know, just various experiences at a young age. Then as we get older, then we start to see ourselves replicating the same process or, Mm -hmm. you know, creating our own heirloom, if you will, our tradition or whatever it might be to then continue to continue to do purposeful or impactful things. So I, I love it, man. I love it. And the reason I also said I, I like how you, you brought it up, just stating the honesty, because I think so many times it feels like if somebody just says like, oh, I did this since I was born. I, I've always loved it. I've always liked it. It's like, are you really human? Like you just <laughs> love everything on earth. Like you've never had disdain for anything, even if you were in the right or in the wrong. But it's like it, it, it made me feel like a little less of a jerk. So I was like. Thank you for not leaving me on just jerk island over here by himself. <laughs> for sure. I got you. I got you. But tell me, tell me a little bit about um, the how you got into podcasting and the podcast program that you're helping people with now. 
Yeah. So um, initially it started with, with me hopping on an interview. I, I did an interview on this show called The Motive. Mm-hmm. It was it, it was a while ago, but did, did an interview. And then after I talked to the producer and I was like, how do you I was like, how do you set up a podcast? Like, how do you structure it? So he met up with me at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. He got a piece of paper. He had a pen. And he laid out like the flow of a show, you know, your intro, you do a 15, 30 seconds and come in, you do the body. He laid it out basically like an essay. And, mm. you and you know, having your show, the, this is the flow of the show. And then I was like, oh, OK. So then I went at it by myself. Uh, I hit him up here and there for some for some answers. Shout out to Dennis, Dennis McMurray. Uh, he's one who, who helped me out. And then I just really dove into it, just dove into it, started a podcast, wanting to, you know, with my first podcast, Speak Your Success, I wanted to serve and support uh, millennials with mm-hmm. tangible self-help strategies for success. And then after that, then when, when you first met me, Asher, then I was doing uh, the Beyond the Ball podcast to help student athletes succeed beyond their degree. Mm-hmm. And then now, since then, I put those two down, you know, I never completely ended speak your success. It's like I kind of just put a imaginary pause in my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and then I came and started the uh, your podcast mentor show. So this one, this one was started with the most intentional purpose of them all, because with this platform, the goal is to help people through the podcast, you know, talking about starting, talking about launching and monetizing while also um, using this to help help position me and further serve and support, you know, other clients with my podcast program where I'm helping people do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But of course, in my personal program, I'm going more in depth and people are getting customized feedback and support. But at the end of the day, Asher, I think you know, like I know, the, how beautiful the medium of podcasting is and the opportunity is endless. So, you know, that that's what brings us to where we're at right now. And just looking to really, really serve and support a thousand speakers, coaches and consultants to start, launch and monetize their podcast. Awesome. It seems like you've, you've been in the speaking space for a bit, like being on TEDx as well as podcasting, being interviewed and just in the same sense of, I think it still revolves around the topic of teaching, like you mentioned at the start, where it's you're looking to give something to the people with which you're communicating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, f- first of all, th- thanks for noticing. Um, and one one thing, th- this, th- this, this is the reason why, Asher, because going back when I first started speaking, because I've been speaking a year longer than I've been podcasting. But when I first went to a school and I spoke, you know, this was the like the pinnacle of seeing the Eric Thomas and just really when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. This was, you know, just when that was just thriving. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to do that. But I didn't understand that there's so much more than just the motivation and so much more than the message. So after going to a couple of schools and feeling like I got them fired up, the question for me then was, but what are they going to do when I leave? So that's why every time when I speak anywhere, anytime when I have a podcast, I strategically have some objectives that I want to accomplish or at least put the audience in position to accomplish themselves. So that that's why that's what it comes to when I speak, when I podcast, 
wherever it is, I want to make sure that people have something tangible to walk away, walk away with. And then they can plug this in and then they can begin to yield some form of success from what's shared. So, man, yeah, that that I mean, that's why I'm so passionate about teaching, because I want you to learn something and I want you to have success, period. I like that. I, I guess seeing someone like um, Dr. Eric Thomas, what stood out to you as I can do this in my own way without necessarily copying, like because Obviously, I have a different demeanor from you, but I feel like our demeanor may be closer to like NET, where like people are like, he just screams a lot, but it seems <laughs> that you can still speak with purpose and passion without having mm-hmm. to be um, like a replicate or somebody else. Like everyone has their own voice. So what what helped you find your voice in that in that speaking journey? Yeah, ex- excellent question. Excellent question. There, there was points where I was trying to replicate the, the Dr. Eric Thomas. Um, so I definitely have to have to be honest about that. But then just like you said, I had to realize that that wasn't me. That wasn't there. There are, you know, there are some presentations, some areas where, you know, the passion does come through. But but for me, my my biggest area or my biggest gift is the ability to storytell. So I, I want I want to create the relatability and I want to inspire you by me having you because sometimes I, I with some audiences, I, I'll ask them to close their eyes. And then I'll allow them to paint their own vision from their perspective. So now I'm going on a journey with you. Basically, I'm narrating your journey in your life. So I I realized that that was my space because I love to storytell. And I I once heard it said that you should never tell a story without giving a point. You should never give a point without telling a story. So eventually through practicing and through working with coaches like Kendall Fickling, that's how I identified my niche and my area. It was seeing that storytelling was my space. So then just, just telling the story, just telling the story and giving the principle. How did that, how did that come about for you? Like seeing that my thing is storytelling and how did you, how did you develop that? Is it, were you always a good storyteller as a kid? Like everybody would gather around and be like, Hey guys, this is what happened five (laughs) minutes ago in this way. And then like you're animated or like, is that something you had to learn more so through the coaching with uh, with Kendall? Asher, you're you're really good at this, man. You're really good at this. I've been um, <laughs> watching. I've been watching the teacher. Oh man! So um, with with storytelling, Kendall Kendall Ficklin actually he I feel that he imparted that in me. So so I think it's two pieces. Mm-hmm. The first piece is uh, ever since I was young, my parents would always read stories. Right, mm-hmm. Doctor Seuss, Bernstein Bears just down the line, read the stories. And then I got a little bit older and then my dad would read like stories from, from uh, like email chain letter type stories. And I started to realize how gifted my father was because my father's a pastor as well, evangelist. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I grew up seeing him preach and hearing him, uh, hearing him speak. And I was like, wow, because he's really he's he's really gifted. So seeing him and then when I got to Kendall, Kendall had this challenge for all of us who first came in this program when he first rolled it out. He said, I want you to do a 10 minute video for me. And I was like, what? This is, this is before I really started speaking. I'm like, what? You want to do what? He said, do a 10 minute video and give me a principle. 
So I sat, I sat the camera up and I started recording a video and then I'm, you know, doing the thing, uh, doing a video. And then after he would say, just keep telling the story, just keep, just keep telling that story. And then when he said that, I was like, okay. And then through practice and repetition, he taught us something called the 80, 20 principle where you give 80% story, 20% principle. And that's where I began to get indoctrinated in this philosophy of 80, 20. Okay. So now whenever I go speak anywhere, I'm like, okay, what story am I going to tell? Before I record a podcast episode, I'm like, what story, what story, what story? Because the story creates the relatability. And then if you relate to somebody wherever they are, despite their age, despite their color, if you relate to somebody through story and you allow them to see them, you allow them to see themselves in the story, that's when the transformation happens. That's when you start seeing people cry and all this other stuff. And I'm not saying, you know, I've just made people cry. I'm not saying that's me. I'm just saying when you see the videos of people crying because people, they feel the hurt of the person who lost their daughter, who lost their son, who lost their child. They're like, oh, so that's where it comes from. So that, that yeah, so I, I would just say that it's just understanding that. <clears throat> well, let me, let me take a step back. Let me take a step back. And I'm around, I'm around this point off. But understanding that. When I hop on a podcast, when, I, when I'm getting ready to do a podcast and I'm getting ready to speak, although I tell stories from my own personal life, the presentation is not about Jonathan Jones. The presentation is about the transformation that needs to go forward for the audience. I just happen to be blessed to have the opportunity to be behind the mic or be on the stage or whoever it is. So it's understanding you need a framework and then with the framework, you pull out the principle and then you get the people to transformation. Well said. Well said. I love that. Yeah, man. It's, 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 I'm, I'm grateful for every coach that I've had from Kendall Ficklin to my father. My father was my first coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but down the line, man, David Shands, just down the line and now working with Words Taylor because one, one thing I've also begun to learn, Asher, is when we don't when we don't pay for certain lessons, they carry no value. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, 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 think about it, if have you ever broken a bone before? Somewhat. Not not all the way through, but it was like it's it was minute, but significant enough. And, and do, do you remember how you broke it? Yeah. Yeah. Can't forget it. I still feel it to this day. E- exactly, man. I tried to skip three monkey bars. I made it, but then I twisted my arm and then fell on it. It was broken. Since then, I always think twice before I skip for multiple monkey bars or before I take a just a big challenge. But that's the thing. I had to I paid for that lesson. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's just one of those things. Lessons we pay for, they yeah. carry a little bit, a little bit bigger of a punch. That 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 makes sense on that point. Kind of going back to your podcasting program, I, I think um, as I see different people develop programs in getting coaching and paying for um, individual coaches or joining a community, it seems that a big thing that always comes out of it is that you you need to give some, for, some sort of payment in order to get the lesson because there are certain things you could do quote unquote free. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, even when I'm, I'm doing the podcasting is I'm improving steadily. I'm doing better about not looking to the left than to the right. It's like, if this is what I can pay for now with my time and attention, or if this is what I can pay for this type of editing, let me do that and not look and try to become someone else. Because then it's like, if I just have what they have, 
I don't know what they paid to get there. So I shouldn't mm. envy that too much. Asher, I don't, I don't want you to brush past what you just said. You got to say that again, man. You got to say that again for the audience, man. That that last piece was heavy. That well, last piece was heavy, man. I mean, the a big thing for this year for me has just been like staying in my lane and not not getting overcome so much with wanting what someone else has because I can theoretically pay the amount that they paid to go to a certain person to have a certain look, but if I don't know how they got there, I can keep, I can be too envious and just say, oh, I want this because I, I heard it can do this for me. But mm. if I can't afford that payment, it's going to put me in worse shape than I could have been if I just took my time and went through the process in my own way. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of like, and, and math was my worst subject. So I'm just using this for an analogy, but it's kind of like the Y equals MX plus B. When we work out that when we work out that formula or that equation, we get a certain result. In each one of us, we're the X, but it but the equation isn't always going to come out the same because just like you said, you know what what's what's this person's experience or where is this person from or who is this person connected to? There are so many other factors that potentially can affect elevation, trajectory, or reach, or what whatever. I mean, whatever analytics we're measuring by, but. I think that's one of the things that that is most dangerous in our time now is just understanding that just because Asher has this opportunity, if I was put in the same spot, that doesn't mean I'm going to capitalize the same way that Asher did. That's just not the way, way the world works. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll get you out, out of here on this one because I know time is precious and of the essence. My last question to you is, are you still who you say you are? Yes. I am still who I say I am going back to the first or going back to one of the pieces that I said that I am is a lifelong learner. And for me, that's looked different in different seasons. So in this season, I'm learning more about being not being a good husband or not being a great husband, but being a husband the way that God calls me to be. So I'm really learning a lot about that in this season. And, you know, the I mean, the like the business stuff, you know, I, I just go through the process of, you know, learning what my coach teaches me. Um, so I, I think the business piece is more easy versus being the husband that God requires and expects me to be. And I'm I'm in the remedial classes right now, Asher. I'm starting from the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Honesty is the best policy, as they say. I, I appreciate the candidness just to say some things are easier. Other things may be more challenging, but you're willing to step up to the challenge. I appreciate that about you. Yeah, man. And sometimes it hurts, Asher. Sometimes it hurts, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the time, man. Most definitely, man. Thank you for you know allowing me to come on come on the platform and just just share a little bit about my story. I appreciate you and the, and the work that you're doing. Oh, before I let you go, let the people know where they can find you and how they can become a part of your program or just connect with you online and offline. Gotcha. So I'll make it easy. So the people can text uh, pound sign podcast to six seven eight six five eight three six two seven. And that's so they can get a free podcast launch checklist. So if there's anybody who's, you know, wanted to start a podcast and didn't know where to start, hashtag podcast, text that to 678-658-3627. 
But I'm, I'm Jonathan Jones speaks on all social media platforms and, you know, shoot, shoot me a DM, shoot me a DM and feel free, of course, to check out the show, your podcast mentor with, with Jonathan Jones. But thank, thank you again, Asher. I appreciate you, man. And uh, just, just definitely lo- love your heart, man. I love thank your you. heart. You're welcome. And thank you for the compliments. Most definitely. Most definitely. 